This is Bonnie Shaw. I'm uh, moderating this call for the folks at Community Matters. Um, today's call is about sustainability, and we're very lucky to have Angela Vincent from ICLEI, Local Government for Sustainability, and Fred Profeta from Sustainable Jersey. Uh, we've got an hour to, to listen to some of their fantastic insights, to ask them a whole bunch of questions, uh, and to really have a, a vibrant and lively discussion. Um, I just want to go over some of the call protocol to start with. We have quite a few people joining us today, uh, and we've, we've got a couple of um, guidelines that we'd ask people to follow just so that we can run this uh, in a way that everybody gets to uh, listen and, and get a chance to comment. Uh, we have a Google Doc that's shared and open and available for everybody to take notes in and to add questions to. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to uh, keep your phones on mute and, uh, and if you have any questions or comments to please type the, the questions into the Google Doc and then I'll moderate those and pass them on to Angela and Fred. Uh, we're going to start the call with an introduction from Angela. Uh, and then we'll we'll hear from Fred, and then we'll open up for a discussion, um, and then finish off with just a, a, a quick discussion on on how we might translate some of what's no doubt going to be a really great discussion into some real life action that we can all take uh, once we're off the call. So, without any further delay, I will introduce Angela. Uh, if you want to take it away. Great, thank you. Uh, my name is Angela Vincent. I'm the Northeast Mid-Atlantic Regional Director for ICLE, Local Governments for Sustainability. I'm based in our Boston office, and my primary role is to oversee staff as well as myself uh, overseeing uh, the technical assistance to our members in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. Uh, ICLE is an association, a global association of local governments which with a primary mission of, of driving um, local governments to address climate protection and to improve local sustainability. Uh, the organization itself was established back in 1990 and with uh, about 200 local governments from 53 countries around the world uh, looking for ways that they could voice their concerns around where greenhouse gas emissions were coming from, how we could drive them down, and how we could address local sustainability. Uh, ICLE USA, which is uh, who I represent, um, based here in the United States, was officially launched in 1995 uh, with a handful of local governments, and since then has, has grown to about 620 is our last count of local governments uh, ranging in size from New York City uh, to small communities like Burlington, Vermont, um, and Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Uh, so we do actually represent a very wide variety of not only t uh, sizes of local governments, but also types, including uh, townships, uh, counties, and villages around the U.S. Our mission is to build, serve, and drive a movement of local governments uh, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to address their sustainability. And we do that in a variety of different ways. We have started with looking at mitigation. So the majority of, if you know ICLE, uh, the majority of our services and technical assistance lately over the past 10 years or so has been focused on ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions or mitigation. We have since launched programs to also address adaptation, which is how understanding that, that climate impacts are happening, how are we going to become more resilient and be able to address those impacts as a community and also regionally. And then according to the, uh, that's most, I think, uh, relative to this call is addressing sustainability. Um, all of the mitigation adaptation uh, concerns that communities have had have been leading to overall sustainability anyway. Um, and given that we are a local government for sustainability organization, we've developed two programs um, that are supporting local governments right now in their efforts to address sustainability. The first is STAR. The STAR Community Index uh, program was uh, actually launched about two years ago, May 2008. Um, the program is itself is going to be the cornerstone of our sustainability work. Um, it's a national consensus-based framework that is being developed to gauge sustainability and livability in communities here in the United States. So it will be a United States, a U.S. program. 
Um, it's in the development stage right now. It, will, it is being developed with other partners, uh, USGBC being one of the main partners, along with the Center for American Progress and the uh, National League of Cities. It's going to be much like LEED, so it will be a uh, rating system on sustainability and transform, really, the way that local governments are setting their priorities and implementing policies and programs to improve their sustainability and their performance. Um, right now, we are testing out the performance management tool with nine communities. We're calling them beta communities, um, excuse me, ten communities um, from around the U.S., both cities and counties, um, large and small from across the U.S. Uh, more of information on that can be on our website, but I do want to say that that is in the beta stage right now for that performance management tool that will be helpful in helping communities to measure their sustainability. Uh, we right now have 81 goals um, that are, have been launched um, as of last November that will help you guide communities right now as the entire program is being built out and the various measures that are going to be associated with those goals are going to be established. What is already in place um, that I do want to lead communities to is our second program, which is the Sustainability Planning Toolkit. This community, this, this Sustainability Planning Toolkit is very similar to our five milestones for mitigation process um, in that it is a planning framework. It uh, guides communities through a sustainability assessment, setting sustainability goals, developing a sustainability plan, implementing that plan, and then going back to measure progress. Eventually, STAR and the Sustainability Planning Toolkits will actually be completely aligned as STAR, the STAR Community Index is built out. Um, all of this is on our website, and I'd highly recommend anyone to take a look at that. The Sustainability Planning Toolkit uh, currently is for members, um, but there is some basic information about that on the website um, that you can learn from. But it is a very similar planning processes to most of our comprehensive planning processes or master planning processes and we're encouraging communities throughout the U.S. to actually consider taking them on simultaneously as, uh, as the comprehensive plan is, is, has been and, and, and still will be for many communities uh, one of the prime tools for us to uh, be able to grow forward and, and to take sustainability by the hand. And with that, I have given up my five minutes, <laughs> and I want to uh, turn the, the stage over to, uh, back over to Bonnie. Thanks, Angela. That was that was a really great overview. Um, I, if you have a, a moment, it'd be great if you could put some of those links into the Google documents so that people can access those on your website. Um, Absolutely. And I will do that I would right encourage, now. Excellent. Thank you. I would also encourage ev everyone on the call to to log on to that document. If you have questions for Angela or Fred, that that's the place to write them. Um, and we'll be referring back to those throughout the call to, to keep the conversation going. Uh, right now I'm going to hand over to Fred, who is here representing Sustainable Jersey, which was one of the winners of the Sustainable Communities Conference, uh, Sustainable Communities Challenge at the Community Matters Conference. So take it away, Fred. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, well, I'm a lawyer by trade, and I got into local government in 2003 in Maplewood, New Jersey. Uh, I was mayor for four years. I am now currently the uh, deputy mayor for the environment, uh, which is uh, uh, a position in a township of uh, 24,000, which is a little bit unique, which tells you something about Maplewood's focus on environmental uh, and in sustainability issues. Um, my position with Sustainable Jersey is I'm chair of uh, the Sustainable Jersey Mayor's Committee. Um, Sustainable Jersey is a municipal certification program. Um, it's a partnership, re really, between the New Jersey League of Municipalities, of which this, ma this uh, mayor's committee is a subcommittee, uh, and uh, the College of New Jersey, um, and also playing a partnership role as our Department of Environmental Protection and our Board of Public Utilities. So it's an, an amalgamation of talents, resources, and energies uh, that we've uh, created, um, and it's come together and, and formed a rather unique program. Uh, as I said, it's municipal certification. That is to say, if a municipality does the things which we have listed, uh, or some portion of them, as I'll, I'll, I'll detail, uh, the municipality is certified by us as sustainable. And this takes place once a year, and the announcement and the celebration, really, 
and the awards are given at the annual convention of our, our New Jersey League of Municipalities in November. Um, it, um, it is essentially a three-part program. We have actions, which is really a menu of things that you uh, need to choose from in order to accumulate points. Uh, if you accumulate 150 points in 2011, you will be certified uh, bronze, and if you get 350, you will be certified silver. Uh, in 2012, we'll probably have a gold category with a higher number of points. Um, we've launched this program in 2009, so um, we've been in business really since that time, although it was in formation quite a number of years before that. Um, there are certain things that uh, you need to do um, to to be certified. As I said, this is a three-part program. I should return to that for a second. There are the actions, uh, which which describe the points, what you have to do and the points you get. There are the tools, and we have a, a, a huge toolkit of resources, uh, estimate of costs, uh, um, vendors and contractors who, who can be contacted, uh, form letters and resolutions and ordinances for towns. And then we have incentives. We have financial incentives in, in the way of uh, uh, grants from uh, that we've, that we've put together through from corporate donations, and we also are linked to various state programs where you can get information and get online for for state money. Um, then, so the, the third part is the incentives. So it's actions, tools, and incentives. Uh, bottom line is that this is a very successful program. Um, we have certified 67 towns to date. Uh, towns and cities, I should say, as sustainable. And there are 323 registered. Registration is no easy task. You have to have your local governing body pass a resolution or ordinance saying, uh, we are pursuing this program, here are the actions we are pursuing, and we have created a green team. And a green team is something that everybody needs to do who wants to be certified. Uh, that's going to be your leadership group in your municipality. We have now 323 municipalities registered to pursue the program in the fashion I described. That is 57% of the state. So we, we have over half the state of New Jersey pursuing this program of rigorous, objective, and well-defined and measurable um, a certification. Um, we wonder why it works so well. Well, we think we know some of the reasons. Uh, this is a very unique partnership because what we've done taken the resources of an academic institution and melded it with state, um, with state input. Uh, but the League of Municipalities has provided this host of local government officials uh, with a leadership group in, in several, in 13 mayors. And this is the group that really provides um, the advocacy and the preaching, if you will. We, are, we sort of preach on the circuit and go to several municipalities a month and talk and tell people how to how to do it. Uh, there's a lot of competition between towns and cities, and that's part of what drives this. Um, and we also have the infrastructure of the League of Municipalities, which provides a great outreach and communication boost. Um, the other thing I think about it, there are a number of things, but one thing that certainly makes it appealing is this is this is one-stop shopping for municipalities in New Jersey who want to know how to go green, and environmental stuff. It's complicated, and it's sometimes beyond the resources and the time allowed for busy municipal officials. Well, they can go to our website, sustainablejersey.com, and find out what they need to know to be able to do it, and they know that they're going to get a big bang for the buck. There are 64 uh, actions that we have that you can choose from. You have, there are certain ones you have to do. Uh, there's a variety of areas we could get into that. Um, it's a program which, as Bonnie mentioned, has been recognized now nationally, and uh, it is it is a program which is which is being replicated in states other than New Jersey. Maryland is coming up with a sustainable Maryland program, which is going to be uh, very similar. Um, there are a number of states that are interested. I'll be speaking in North Carolina this weekend on this topic. Um, there has been introduced a bill in the United States Senate by New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez, which would facilitate 
the replication of similar programs around the country with funding. So it's something that um, we feel um, we were somewhat lucky in getting together uh, these attributes, which make it really move, but it does. And uh, we just, uh, you know, we're looking forward to more success. And with that, I'll turn it back to Bonnie. Thanks, Fred. That's a really uh, great overview there. Uh, You guys are doing amazing work. Um, I want to start to open it up to the group now. There's a bunch of great questions coming in that I think we can use to draw out some of the detail of of these great projects. Um, Angela, I'll start with you. there's a there's a good question in this in the document. Uh, what are some good examples of communities that are working on sustainability? Uh, and someone in there is is starting to put in uh, a note about Telluride in Colorado. Um, but uh, it'd be great if you could expand on a, a few more of those. And Fred, if you, it sounds like the work that Maryland's doing um, and a few other cities around around the U.S. are, are getting started on sustainable jerseys. So. Andrew, if you want to kick us off with with some examples that you know of. Sure. Uh, I'll start at a state level. In addition to um, Maryland and North Carolina, there's a very, there's a good established program that was started, I think this is in its third year now, in Virginia, um, that's actually uh, similar to, similar to Sustainable Jersey. It's supported by the municipal, or one of, well, similarly, I should say, it's not completely supported, but in Virginia, it is supported by the Virginia Municipal League. Um, currently, it's focusing on, on government operations, but it has been expanded to the community level and actually is based off the same framework that STAR is which is basically uh, the pillars, the three pillars of sustainability, um, and then various indicators, including natural resources, economic development, uh, social equity, uh, access to recreation, et cetera. Um, So I highly recommend people go to the Go Green Virginia program because it is a a good place similar to the Sustainable Jersey uh, framework um, that allows communities to kind of get a good handle on where they are uh, around sustainability measures. And again, it's it's really focused on government operations right now, but uh, there's a community uh, challenge that's actually going to be launched officially next year. If we're getting at the, at the community level, I want to highlight, and again, I'm in the Northeast and I see Portsmouth uh, being put up there. I'd also like to highlight that Keene's program is also really good. I know Keene, if you've been uh, following a lot of sustainability work over the past couple of years, has been highlighted quite a bit. Um, but they really are doing some great work, especially around incorporating sustainability into their master plan update right now. So again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, our master plan should be our growth and and uh, our, our footsteps, our step forward into what our communities look like, and in a, a comprehensive visioning process, which is really what a sustainability plan is, is looking at. So, if we sh- start to merge the two, I think we're really going to be getting more bang for our buck. And so, I did see that question there, and I would encourage communities to take that on, is to see where the principles of sustainability and a typical, the typical elements of a comprehensive plan might merge to create one document. Uh, I also want to mention again in the Northeast um, that uh, Burlington has been doing this work, Burlington, Vermont, uh, since 2000. They've had an established program, although it only is a a part-time person, um, she's been making great strides and the planning department is very engaged in sustainability as well as climate protection in general, Um, so I'd encourage those uh, to be taken a look at. Big city stuff, if anyone hasn't taken a look at Plan YC, um, especially because they are starting to measure their progress right now, I'd highly recommend taking a look at that. The update to Plan YC is coming out this April, um, and they are going to be looking at some very, very interesting new indicators and new uh, strategies for sustainability within the city of New York. So I don't know if we have anyone on the line who can talk more about that, but uh, that is obviously at the large scale something to, to take a look at. Um, so I'll stop there. I know that's a lot of examples, and I'm seeing uh, that <laughs> you're frantically trying to catch up with all of those. I could probably go on and on, but I, I just wanted to highlight some of those as, as good ones, especially since, they, as you see links here, um, they're all up online. Thank you. Fred, did you want to add to that? Is there Are there any other uh, communities that you can speak to on, on this? Other programs or other communities that are following sustainability efforts? 
Uh, let's let's talk communities. Uh, there's a there's a couple of good questions in here actually. Um, there's talking about scale uh, and so how different uh, different governments, different community groups deal with issues around sustainability. Um, and maybe you can expand a little on that topic. Well, uh, I'm the, the 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 experience that I'm very familiar with, of course, is the New Jersey experience and. Uh, um, there, the what's 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 unique and and advantageous, I think, about the Sustainable Jersey program is very scalable, and uh, there's 64, I believe, total actions that you can pursue, and some some towns pursue um, uh, ones in certain categories and others in in different ones, uh, so that, for example, we have programs that are that are adapted to rural communities and ones that are adapted to urban communities, um, and you get different points for different ones. So it's possible for a big city like uh, Trenton or Camden to be involved and with a lot of resources, but it's equally possible for small rural towns to do this and uh, still make the, uh, the point total that they need. It's... Um, there, there's a there's a variety of uh, of areas that we have which make make it um, uh, adaptable to all sorts of municipalities. We have energy, food, local economies, operations and maintenance, art, community partnership and outreach, diversity and equity, health and wellness, sustainability planning, animals, green design, greenhouse gases, demonstration projects, uh, transportation, natural resources, waste management. So. Um, there's a great deal of diversity and uh, a great a great deal of diversity in the communities that are taking part. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned a, a few different actions that people can take. There's a question here from Rebecca. Rebecca, do you want to speak to that uh, about the key actions that communities can start with? Sure. Um, I think there's so many communities out there that would love to start doing sustainability, but it can seem overwhelming to try to take on a whole sustainability plan or a whole certification initiative. So I'm wondering what Angela and Fred would suggest as a few key actions that communities might use to just jump in or a few that have particularly large bang for the buck in terms of improving sustainability without requiring a lot of resources. Angela, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, I would say that, that Similar to the mitigation, we encourage all communities to take stock in what they're already doing. Um, I might, just to give you a little bit of the past, I did work for local government for um, several years and was also working with regional planning. And so my background with understanding where communities need to start is, is pretty large in that it, you can't measure what you don't, you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, and so not knowing what you're already taking on as a community, whether you be a volunteer or a staff person even, whether new or old, um, understanding where you're at is very is very important. And the first step in the sustainability planning toolkit, as well as the five milestones for sustainability, is to do that assessment. So taking a look at um, what the current indicators are uh, for sustainability, and again, the toolkit and STAR both give you uh, that framework to start from. And so how much uh, affordable housing is there in your community? Um, or even just start with your local government operations. Do you have recycling? Um, you know, how do your employees get to work? Uh, anything and everything, fitness and biking. Um, you know, what, what, do you have a master plan? <laughs> you know, there are lots of different things that a community can take stock in and, and having that under control and then seeing where those small bites that you might take on um, based on support in your community, um, financial and human uh, support, um, as well as obviously your elected leadership. Um, that is one of the keys as well is, is ensuring, and, and you, we have, I think, a, a great case example here of having um, Mayor Perfetta on the phone and, and somebody who's been a champion of this for many years. Um, and Maplewood has been a, an ICLEI champion and member for quite some time. So yep. we're excited to have elected leadership show their support and actually be engaged at your level. So I'd like to provide you a, you know, a huge round of applause on my end for doing that. But uh, that elected leadership is really, really key. So I'm not gonna, I think it's going to be specific, so get to the nitty-gritty part, and then I'll let uh, Fred take over. 
is that it's going to be different based on local priorities. So I can't tell an East Coast uh, community, a small East Coast rural community, to do the same thing as a Los Angeles. Um, and so it's, it, I think it is really going to be to see where that assessment is and where the political will and the financial support and then the, the human resources are going to be able to take you over the edge. Yeah, I agree with Angela uh, that um, uh, getting a baseline, determining where you are as a municipality or a community is very important. And uh, as with uh, as with um, ICLE, uh, Sustainable Jersey has the same priorities in terms of, uh, of ha uh, uh, asking communities that they, they engage in some basic measurement to start with. So, for example, and, and by the way, anybody, anybody can go look at uh, – our program on the website sustainablejersey.com and what and as Angela says of course these these actions are specifically designed with New Jersey in mind but they're they're really quite applicable uh, regionally and in some cases nationally uh, um, and to the extent that they're not they can be adapted but for example one thing some things that ought to apply I think around the country which we see in our program are um, things like uh, uh, doing a national uh, uh, resources inventory, um, doing a municipal carbon footprint of your municipality, see where you are and, and develop goals as to where you want to be in terms of things like greenhouse gas emissions, um, doing energy audits for municipal facilities, that's another one. Uh, one, as I mentioned before, that we absolutely require if you're going to participate in our program, and this is certainly one that's applicable all over, is creating some sort of leadership team. We call them green teams, uh, but this is this seems to me to be vitally important that you have a group of leaders, and, and the ideal situation is one which combines um, volunteer uh, community uh, help along with municipal staff and elected officials, because you get a great synergy out of that. You get the enthusiasm of the volunteers, plus you get the know-how and the buy-in of the staff, which actually can implement things. So these, that, that, that mechanism, however you want to define it, I think is critical to any municipality or community that wants to move forward in a, in a vigorous and very effective way. Thanks, Fred. That's a that's, uh, really great insight there. Um, something that comes through loud and clear to me from, from the way you're both speaking is that this involves a lot of collaboration with different agencies, with different organizations, with different community groups. Um, Fred, do you want to talk a little more about that, around um, how you build these partnerships, how you um, get these people engaged in the in the discussion and this kind of action? Do you specifically mean on the municipal level, Bonnie? Or how sure. do you? Yes. Yes, yeah. please. Well, that the the the, the way. To, the way to create that involvement, which is absolutely essential, because if you have a bunch of volunteers um, uh, or, or enthusiasts uh, who uh, develop programs and uh, bring a lot of uh, talent to the effort, it ultimately won't result in much unless the local government uh, agrees, buys in, and, and cooperates um, and, and facilitates. So you need... Uh, one of the things you need to do very at the very beginning is make sure that your local government backs this. I mean, there have been towns that have tried this without local government backing, and you know what? It just only goes so far. So you need the political buy-in, and sometimes that's just a matter of politics. Uh, and then when that's achieved, um, it is important to get a municipal staff on board in a very, in a very um, committed way. Uh, the police chief has to know what has to be done, what should be done. Um, the fire department. Um, critical is uh, our, our uh, Department of Public Works, which is involved with the streets and parks and our recreation department, um, which has to do with open spaces and so forth, um, and the township engineer who's going to be involved in measuring um, energy use and carbon footprint. All of these folks and they are in Maplewood and many, many other towns now in New Jersey, thoroughly on board. And when that happens, um, then there's a momentum that that, um, that builds up, and then it just doesn't. It, it's no longer um, dependent on one or a couple of people. It it has a life of its own. 
but you need to get that synergy and you need to get those components in in place and then the thing will take off that's that's fantastic um Angela, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Uh, it sounds like a lot of your work is also very based on building partnerships and, and engaging communities in these issues. Absolutely. Um, as, as we all know, if you've done a greenhouse gas emissions inventory, that um, and, and then obviously that's going to move into sustainability, that the majority of our emissions are coming from the community sector. And so engaging them from the beginning um, is, is crucial in this. But the, if activity is, is going to be engaged uh, successful by engaging the, the operations and, and the government sector first, then, uh, then, then look between the crevices because some of your biggest champions might not be right in front of you. Um, again, in my experiences, both local government and regional, we've had everybody from the purchasing agent to um, the streets director be the hugest champions behind sustainability and, and green efforts um, because they see where the dollar signs are, but they also see uh, where overall sustainability really as actually does help them do their jobs better. Um, the American Public Works Association has really taken the lead uh, as, a, as another membership association um, to address sustainability and to help public works directors do that. And we're psyched to see other professional associations do that, uh, that very thing to encourage the, the three pillars to be integrated into all of their operations. Um, but I will say as well is that some of the, the – most interesting, other interesting people can come out of the woodwork based on uh, on what you're addressing and how that's going to affect their bottom line. We've seen police officers and, and fire departments and, um, again, more public works like streets folks actually be more engaged in this because it's part of their bottom line. So um, I think it's going to be particular to the community on how you're going to engage them or what the hook is, um, but overall it's, it's, it's going to help them and, um, and, and understanding where it helps them do their job better, I think, is, is probably one of the bigger keys, especially in some of the smaller communities with limited human and financial resources. That's, uh, that's a really interesting point, the, the kind of idea of uh, the triple bottom line and, and selling this to the, right, um, to the right people and the right organizations. Brian Skeel, are you on the, the line? You had a really great comment here um, that you might like to elaborate on? Are you here, Brian? No? Uh, Brian, I'm, I'm going to read this out for the benefit of people uh, who who don't have the Google Doc open. Here we go. Um, oh, is that Brian? Yes, yeah, I am. Hi. Uh, do you want to hey. elaborate on your comment? Uh, Santa Fe, I live in Santa Fe, Mexico, and um, It's a tourist industry, it's a local government are the two big industries and um, and the town is somewhat gentrified so that 9,000 people are commuting more than an hour every day to work in town. Uh, so the, the, the uh, housing construction industry was big, it was a big part of our economy and it's per pretty much come to a halt and um, I this thing about how we can model a sustainable neighborhood make a demonstration site it's to make it real you, you need people that can move in can afford to move in uh, say if it's a uh, an infill um, that has higher density so it's a mixed-use neighborhood mm -hmm. is what we have in mind but um, you know the, to, to, so it, it really the challenge to me is to find uh, where, where the market is um, a third of the boomers say they want simpler walkable lifestyle and these 9,000 people that are commuting if gasoline never goes back up again um, they're going to really wish they were living in town. So it seems to me there's a, a big opportunity to to um, have a construction economy once again, but it's going to be way different than suburbia. And that means um, 
the architecture. Uh, it means a market survey, but more than a market survey, it means helping people rethink their floor plans into multi-generational um, shared master suites. Uh, single women have said, you know, we don't, I don't like living alone. I would like to live, we're not lovers, we're just friends, but, you know, houses that had multiple master suites. Um, there's a lot of create, we, we need to kind of invent alternatives to suburbia so that people can take advantage of that and incorporate it into um, higher densities, three, four stories probably to get the numbers to work. So it's a walkable lifestyle. And um, there's a lot of create, we're, basically we're having to invent what a sustainable, how do we do sustainability? Um, and in the, out here in the West, we're, you know, we're, we're in the sprawl as, as, um, as our middle name was. <laughs> so that, so this challenge of how to have a whole community working together so that the policy and the financial mechanisms and the zoning can all support this new kind of deeply affordable, lower consumptive, higher quality kind of life. So Brian, it sounds like you're really talking about engaging with developers uh, in in a conversation around sustainability. Well, the the developments, there are no more developments. That is, I mean, what's on the books is suburbia, but um, that have been approved, but I don't think anyone's ever going to move into them because uh, that, you know, because of all the, and that's what Arthur Nelson says, right? That we've overbuilt suburbia for the next till 2020 or 2025. But um, but then the question is, well, what? How do we retrofit what's existing? And we have there's a street that people um, always go, well, that seems like the the, the logical street that we should redevelop. Uh, the car dealers have moved out. And it's 72% parking. Um, it's got some big boxes, and it's it's really very much a 60s kind of a strip, yeah. sort of big, but not very big. So that, that's the, really a challenge: is where does this retrofit happen? And that's how do that's we... a great question. That's a really great question. Um, Given that, that most of the houses that people are going to be living in for the next 25 years are already built, how do we start to tackle that question of retrofitting houses and neighborhoods to be more sustainable now and for the future? So, Angela, do you want to kind of take that away uh, and, and expand on that a little? Um, yeah, to the extent that that I can, um, I, I've seen. I'm. I also have a planning background, and I've been following some of the conversations that some of the planners are having about this, which is retrofitting the suburbs to become, you know, to to create nodes, to create almost centers in areas where they didn't they didn't used to be. Um, and so, I, unfortunately, I'm not as into the conversation as I'd like to be. But understanding what it's almost doing an assessment of them. So where are they traveling to? Is is really uh, understanding their patterns? What is what's missing and making them drive right right now? Uh, why are there sidewalks missing? Uh, why are there cul-de-sacs everywhere? Um, and and can that be retrofitted to become a, another type of community? Um, obviously, not everyone is going to be that. So we'd have to create some criteria around, you know, is it large enough? Um, is you know, is the support there? Um, can it be? I mean, obviously, there need to be some support around rezoning um, to increase density in areas where you might not be able to do that in the in the current area. Um, but I have seen a lot of conversation. And I'd like to follow that a lot more as it's becoming part of the, the sustainability conversation. Yeah, that's excellent. Fred, did do you have any experience in that work with Sustainable Jersey around kind of looking at existing suburban communities for retrofits? Um, well, in general, yes, but I, I mean, uh, Brian is posing a a, a, a a sort of a macro concern, which, which, by the way, it seems to me, is a 
is a problem of a different dimension in, in the Rocky Mountain West than it is in the, the northeast of the United States. Um, there are different there are different cultures involved, and there are different uh, uh, legal histories. So, for example, uh, in, in in New Jersey, I think that uh, some of the things that that Brian's uh, uh, talking about can be addressed by um, by more by uh, more up to date building codes. And um, some of those uh, are being promulgated on a national basis and uh, can be adopted by by states and communities. Um, that would help with respect, certainly, to energy um, and other aspects of sustainability. Um, and then um, in New Jersey, uh, for sure, uh, municipalities can do go a long way toward bringing about some of these. Um, some of these changes on a organized basis by 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 municipal master plans, which the community gets a great deal of input on, and I think the community is able then to talk about building uh, through that vehicle what they'd like to see. That, that idea of a, a municipal master plan is is a really interesting one, and it kind of feeds into a question that we've got here um, around how citizens can approach this kind of conversation around sustainability uh, in communities where a large percentage of the population might not uh, agree with, with climate change or uh, find sustainability as a, a critical issue. Um, do, do you guys want to tackle that? Is, is there kind of um, anything that, that you would recommend for to get those conversations started? Well, I'll just, I'll just uh, jump in for a second and say that uh, that one aspect of uh, of, uh, of climate change that can be uh, that can be addressed in other terms are, are financial ones. So that um, um, energy independence and um, um, savings on fuels and, um, and and heating bills and so forth are are important. Uh, and there are a lot of people that speak that language and will respond to those kinds of incentives. And part of what Part of what uh, need, needs to be done is for local, regional, and state officials to to pose the the, uh, the questions and the arguments in those terms, and then um, a lot I think can be accomplished. So that's really talking yeah. about reframing the conversation. Yeah. This Sorry, is Brian again. The the challenge that we've run into is existing neighborhoods right now don't have a compelling reason to change anything. In fact, they, what will happen is a, a, a project that will be next door will be provide, uh, proposed, and um, they'll go, oh, that's a great idea, but don't let the traffic come through our neighborhood. Or, uh, or ideas that get proposed, oh, that's a great idea, but don't do it in our neighborhood. So the, what I've come to realize is that um, using Paul Ray's demographic uh, construct is that there's moderns who are like the keeping up with the Joneses and the traditionalists, which are more of the religious right, and then the cultural creatives who are more into paying, for, paying more for something green. So I, I have a sense that uh, we're going to get a lot of push. We're not to the point yet with as long as fuel is, is affordable. Um, we don't we don't have enough buy-in from people that are economically challenged, uh, and so it's more of a lifestyle choice, maybe is one way of saying it. So there's it, a very it's a very interesting time that we're it's almost like you've got to target the market of who who wants to move in and how how to get those or, or who wants to be involved and get those people on board. Well, that's a really interesting point, Brian, around uh, how you how you actually engage communities. And your your earlier point that was uh, is is kind of the term that's used often is NIMBYism, not in my backyard. Um, and I think that's a, a really great point, uh, Angela. If you can if you can kind of talk about that, I think that goes back to what we were discussing around community engagement uh, and how you really get these communities involved to make change in their own communities. Do you want to expand a little on that? 
Yeah, I think someone was getting to this, but it's knowing your audience. I think, it, and, and there's a huge example right now, of, uh, and I, I'm not in the south or in the south central area of the U.S., I should say, but I've heard from my colleagues that the word sustainability is and green are basically taken hand in hand. That they're not, they're not sexy words. They're not usually <clears throat> words that many that are going to grab someone's attention in a positive way. Um, and so, knowing your audience and who you're speaking to, especially the electeds or someone who's going to. Your, their attention is going to be needed for some yeah. big changes um, and, well, and catering to that audience, a lot of it being around dollars and cents, um, yeah. has, has really been more successful in, in other communities than, uh, well, it's, it's going to be successful, successful anywhere is, is talking about dollars and financial, but um, at some other communities, are, the green word is easier, easier swallowed than others. So, cater, 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 excuse me, tailoring uh, your message to that, that audience is the best way to, to allow them to swallow that, I would say. The NIMBYism, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's going to be, I guess I still, I think I, I think of building when I think of that, but I think we're getting at, you know, I don't want it here. So, again, it's uh, it's worked differently in every community. It's it, I think that's taking stock, again, in what is important in the community. Um, what have, has there just been a visioning session done? And these are probably for bigger communities where you might not know the answer to this, but uh, or workshops or what has been the hot button for many communities? Has a big transportation project been um, been been pushing everyone's buttons, or um, a big park or uh, lack thereof? Uh, what is really what's getting people's goats? And then and building upon that instead of making up something for the sake of addressing overall sustainability. Um, and there are ways to ease into that because, as we know, a lot of the, the components of sustainability are connected. Um, so water use is connected to energy use, is connected to our natural environment, is connected to social justice. I mean, there are lots of different things um, along those lines that can be used as connecting buttons if we just address the major hot one. Mm -hmm. um, so Fantastic. And, um, Thank you. Uh, so, I can uh, I can hear someone talking in the background. Would you mind making sure that you're all on on mute so that we can pull out that background noise? Um, is there anyone on the call that can can give an example of how they've how they really have worked with communities to understand what those issues are and and get them engaged? Um, so there is there's a question here about Maplewood, which I might throw. Uh, I think that's to you, Fred. Um, but okay. if there's anyone else that has examples, um, please please do speak up and and let us know uh, if if you've got some advice or some insight from some of the work that you've been doing. Uh, alternatively, throw it into the Google Doc and we can we can talk about it. Uh, but Fred, why don't you uh, can you give us some examples from Maplewood? Examples of of what body of of, of how you uh, framing issues? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, well, I Maplewood um, uh, has a diversity of views, uh, it, but it's I mean it, it's a New Jersey community, so it's going to have a different spectrum of views than uh, than a Midwestern or a Western community. Uh, but we appeal across the spectrum of political views. Um, I, in, in terms of some of the issues that I've already mentioned, um, um, uh, saving money. Uh, I mean, equating, equating green not only with the environment but with money, just as a visual or a, uh, um, a, a, a slogan, is effective, and it's been done in a couple of communities. Highland uh, Highland Park in New Jersey is one of them. Um, and um, the and, and Angela mentioned uh, the social justice uh, and those kinds of important considerations, which will which certain people will respond to. And you'll get buy-in on those uh, in those areas. Um, it's also interesting that um, a lot of this, a lot of the talk on sustainability um, these days, is somehow sometimes framed in uh, in questions of theology and and. Uh, um, they're faith-based um, issues, and there is a great deal of learning 
uh, on the linkage between faith and sustainability that can be um, uh, that you can get from organizations such as Green Faith. I'm not sure how regional Green Faith is, but it's certainly very active in New Jersey, and it's worth studying because the linkage is very important to some people, and it shouldn't be ignored. And uh, I know people. Uh, uh, who are engaged in these efforts in the South are doing a lot in that area, and I think it's very important. I, I, this is Angie again. I, I do want to agree wholeheartedly with, with you, Fred, because I've had that experience personally and professionally, is that the, um, there are quite a few uh, green and sustainability-related programs within um, faith-based organizations. Um, in addition to that, there are other organizations that are, get, especially around the social justice um, and and uh, and human service needs, um, that have really been popping up and, and also playing a, a large role in the sustainability picture. And um, if there are issues around that within the community, is is framing that that sustainability. Uh, program that you're trying to build and trying to, to get momentum around is finding those allies um, because it, it could be just tweaking your message a little bit more to be something that, again, as I mentioned before, is a hot button, is something that the community is already embracing and to, to slide it in that way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like we've got we've got a couple of good ideas for for people to take away and, and maybe start thinking about implementing in their communities. What we wanted to finish on, and it, it is um, just 10 minutes to 5 now, um, was some key actions that people could take away with them um, and and try and start start implementing in their own lives, in their own communities. Um, and we've got a few things written down here. Uh, we've got uh, office recycling. We've got biking to work. Uh, we've got reviewing the Equally and Sustainable Jersey sites for potential actions, offer free recycling or free cycling, uh, seek out green initiatives in your faith organizations, and then work out the hot button issues in your communities. Um, is there anything else that, that you can recommend off the top of your head that would be some really great kind of initial actions for people to take? Sure, this is uh, Kip Kolsinskis in Connecticut. One thing that we've found in Connecticut that's been very helpful is the, uh, the interest in um, local foods and uh, people knowing where their food comes from, um, idea of community gardens and, and urban agriculture. That's a, an ability to not only connect people in their community and and offer some um, revitalization and economic opportunity in cities. It also helps connect people with the farms on the rural fringes as far as food opportunities and understanding why protecting farmland close to cities is important. Yeah, I, I'd like this is awesome. uh, yeah, I may just jump in on that because I think that Kip has mentioned something that's very important because it's another it's another way that we can make connections and frame issues. Uh, local food uh, certainly uh, does very well as a as a uh, a focus in in New Jersey and for, in Maplewood for sure. And we have a community garden project which is which has uh, created a great deal of enthusiasm. And what we're what's happening here, of course, is that this is another linkage. So that um, the local food, which of course has a great impact on greenhouse gas emissions and things of that nature, uh, also has a, a, a very, a very a close tie-in with health and wellness. And a lot of people will respond to that who may not necessarily be too concerned about what happens when you truck vegetables from California to the East Coast. But they will respond on the health and wellness um, uh, um, spectrum, and uh, we get a lot of buy-in on that that's a that's a great point Fred the uh, making these connections between different actions that people can take and the different reactions uh, and outcomes that that happen so when you're talking about uh, an issue like food sustainability and uh, and you know, teaching kids in schools about where their food comes from and the health and wellness are there any other uh, connections that that come to mind around that kind of well, another another connection. I'll be very brief. Is, is for example between uh, biking and health, 
And, of but course, you know, if we're, if we're encouraging well. biking, we're taking cars off the road, and uh, that has other implications uh, as well. Fantastic. I see another one that, that is really uh, strong right now, especially, is the linkages between um, stormwater or water quality and sustainability. And I know in um, in the Chesapeake Bay area that there that that linkage, and I'm not saying it's the only place in the U.S., but I would say probably in the Southwest as well, where water is is a shortage. Those are easy linkages to make. Um, you know, water quality, water quantity, um, the way that our communities are developed, um, access to water. I think all of those are really important as we think about you know the the sustainability indicators, which many of those are. And there are lots of watershed organizations that are taking this on as well now because it is such a direct link. That's great. So the, I think one of the critical things that certainly I'm hearing here is that it's really important to be able to find links between uh, things that are, are very important personally to people uh, that can have very small impacts in their own lives that relate to these much bigger conversations in the broader communities and townships. Um, and so finding, being able to find that connection um, as a kind of foot in the door for this conversation is a really way to get start, a really good way to get started. Does that sound right? It does yep. to me. I agree. Excellent. So we're getting, we're getting close to wrapping up here. We like to keep these calls on time. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, um, and I just wanted to use this time to to see if there's anything else um, that we can be doing on these calls to help people um, get some more information, how you're finding these calls in terms of um, in terms of getting you the information you need and, and pointing you towards good resources. Um, is there anyone that feels like speaking up and uh, and adding some comments on that? Um, are you going to call back and? Uh, and join in some of the other topics that we're discussing. Um, it would be great to hear some some comments on that. Or by all means, put it in the Google Doc, and uh, and we can get back to it then. Oh, I, I, one thing that I really appreciate, this is my, my first time on, is the... Uh, the references being placed in there, so if, if something appeals to you or you'd like more information and being able to go to a website or a link. So thank you for that. Excellent. And and we will uh, make sure that you can continue to access this document, and then everyone on the call will receive a PDF of this so that you'll have all of the notes and all of the links uh, at your fingertips. Um, Something that, that we're particularly interested in is how how we can help you continue to connect around this particular topic. We will be moving on to some other topics over the next few weeks, um, but we'd like to know if, if this topic in particular around sustainability in communities is something that, that people on this call would like to continue. Um, and so please, if you have some comments about that, by all means, shout out now or throw it into the Google Doc. Um, or, or get in touch over email. That would be really useful. Um, so it looks like uh, we're still going. I, I, I just, uh, I've been on the call for about 40 minutes. Uh, I'm from uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, and I'm very interested in this topic and wondering if as things progress in other, you know, uh, like you mentioned, Maryland and other states, if, if you can just continue you know, providing similar calls in those different areas or different places so that people can keep updated as to what is happening in different, you know, different states, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, finding a way to potentially make things a little more locally focused so that you can dial into the, the issues around your own particular area? Yes. All right, that's a great comment. Thank you. And you can um, find some of those things on on ICWI's website as well. Especially, we've been we've been following the Sustainable Maryland program pretty closely. Um, although we're not heavily engaged, we're following some of their progress. So, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll hopefully be adding some of that to the ICWI website as well, the Northeast Mid Atlantic page. Okay, great. Thank you. And so, if anyone does have additional comments, please please do put them into the Google Doc here, or I believe you'll be able to contact Rebecca 
from the Orton Foundation. Her email's at the top of the page here. It's rstone at orton.org. Um, and just before we wrap up, um, if if you are planning to to go away from this call and start implementing some of these these great options and actions that Fred and Angela have been talking about, um, it would be really great if uh, if you do tweet or if you blog, if you end up writing something or tweeting about it, if you uh, if you get in touch and uh, and send us a link to something that you write or um, or use a hashtag community matters in your um, in your tweet and just let us know that um, that you've kind of taken something away and, and started doing something um, after this conversation that would be really helpful for us um, so I hope you'll join me in thanking Fred and Angela for their amazing insight and uh, and huge enthusiasm for for this topic um, I I know it's been really informative and, uh, and and a really great call and I hope it's been as useful for everybody else. Um, stay tuned. Check back on the Community Matters website. We'll be doing more of these calls every two weeks for the next few months. Uh, and thank you for your time. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.